0: Stories, fables, ghostly tales. An old woman has a sister whose bestowed gifts drive her to insanity. A children's game goes too far without them knowing, and a child is born who's prophesied to marry the king's daughter, with a king who refuses to accept that. Welcome listeners to three grim morbid tales the flayed old woman butchering of children and the devil and the three golden hairs I have my tea right in front of me Mm-mm-mm. English toffee this time and I'm loving it it's a butterscotch tea with a hint of caramel and the earthiness of black tea oh my god delicious yum <laughs> Pour yourself your own tea, mates. Relax wherever you are. And let's listen to some tales suitable for the campfire. The Flayed Old Woman A long time ago, the King of Rockfort lived across the street from two miserable old sisters. The cruelty of time had taken everything away from the women. Age had to form their limbs Wrinkles covered every inch of skin, and the hair they had lost from their head regrew elsewhere on their ancient bodies. The sisters did not dare go outside for fear of being seen. The king had no interest in his reclusive neighbors until he happened to hear the eldest one singing. By some chance, time had forgotten to steal away this youthful voice. The king was enchanted by the sound and demanded to be told about the woman living next to his castle. His servant knew of the hags, and was snide in his response. (laughs) The woman woman is so fragile, fragile. a flake of of dust dust would break break her bones. bones. The sarcasm was lost on the king, who now believed a delicate flower of a woman lived next to him, and he began to pine for her. Alas, pining from a tower did not fit this bold noble. He walked straight down to the rambled-down home, of the sisters and spewed forth words of longing. The elder sister refused to come out and speak with the king, but that only made him want her more. The king demanded to see some part of her to assuage his longing. The hag was so wrinkled that there was no bit of her that wouldn't offend him, but it seemed there was little choice in the matter. So, in the smallest voice she could manage, the elder sister explained, In a week's time, I will show you one finger. The king was delighted. He knew that strongholds were one inch by inch, and considered this a step towards victory. He agreed and left the woman to her own devices. The sisters desperately covered their fingers in syrup and sucked at them in a desperate attempt to rejuvenate their old flesh. A week went by, and the king returned. He demanded to see the finger he was promised. After all their work, the younger sister had managed to produce one youthful-looking finger. Said finger was offered to the king through the keyhole. To the man, the digit was an arrow through his heart. He knew he was in love and said so between the passionate kisses he placed on the limb. The king begged, pleaded, demanded this mysterious woman share his bed that night. Unable to deny the king, in the highest pitch she could manage, the eldest sister said, I would be honoured, but I am still a humble peasant, and am too ashamed to be seen by your grace. I will only visit your royal bedchambers if you remove all the lights in the castle, so I will not have to be afraid to be seen. The king promised it would be done, and left. While the king eagerly awaited nightfall, the sisters had to work fast. The eldest had every loose bit of flesh pulled and tied behind her back with twine, in a desperate attempt to regain smooth skin. Then they shaved and plucked, until their time ran out. The eldest sister draped herself in a cloak and was escorted by a servant through the dark halls of the castle. In the darkness of the bedroom, the king pulled the woman close to him. Being a wealthy man, he had covered himself in the strongest of perfumes and could not smell the horrendous odours that seeped from the woman. But he could feel her. Despite the sister's attempts, the king could feel the blisters that afflicted the old and the gnat bites that plagued the poor. As they cobbled, the king had expected to ride a fine Spanish galleon, only to find himself on a barnacle-ridden old tub. Finished, the old woman fell asleep. The king pulled out a flint and candle and looked up at his lover's face. He was horrified. He had wanted a nymph and instead found himself a gorgon. He quickly called the guards. They seized the poor hag from the bed and carried her towards the window. She begged for mercy. She had no desire to deceive the king, but he had asked her to come. The king did not care and she was thrown out the window. By some miracle, the woman did not die upon the rocks below the tower. Instead, she had become tangled up in a tree. She struggled to get herself loose, but found herself too old to do so and wept. The fairies of the forest heard the crying and went to investigate. Seeing the old woman's plight, they laughed at her misfortune. She was hurt by the laughter and cried more. The fairies could not remember a time they had laughed so hard. So they decided they would bestow gifts on the old woman as thanks, one by one. The fairies granted her youth and beauty, wealth and manners, servants and status. The older sister soon found herself seated on a velvet throne, wearing a fabulous gown surrounded by equally well-dressed attendants. Meanwhile, the king finally regained his composure. He looked out the window to see the fate of the hapless old crone, only to see the finest lady in the land seated below. He could not believe his eyes. He did not know what had happened or who it was, but believed it had to be fate. The king ran out of the castle and proposed to the beautiful woman on the spot. The elder sister, just as unsure what had happened, heartily agreed. The two were wed that day, The new queen invited the elderly hag that lived next to the castle. Though many were tempted to make fun of the hideous crone, once she took her place beside the new queen, none dared to. Though more food had been placed in front of the old woman than she had ever seen in her life, she refused to eat it. All her focus was on the youth of her sister. The old woman tugged at her sister's gown. "'What What have you you done, done, my my sister? sister?' "'How did you do it?' she begged. The young queen shook her head. "'Eat now. We'll talk later.' The king asked what was the matter, and the queen dismissively explained, "'The old woman finds the mustard on the dishes too strong.' Again, the old woman prodded. "'Please, tell me how you did it, my sister.' The young queen scowled. "'We have more than enough time to talk about it. Please!' Just eat and be patient. The king asked what was wrong. The queen said, She She wants wants to know know if it will be dessert soon. The haggardly sister would not wait. Time had made her what she was. She insisted. Tell me. Angered, the queen spat out, I flayed myself. The crone looked at her sister nervously. In a bitter tone, she said, We We suffered suffered together. so So I will not let you enjoy enjoy this happiness alone. alone. And left the palace. The old woman came to the barber surgeon and offered all the money the two had saved up. Flay me, she demanded. As much money as she had offered, the barber could not easily take up such a task. He tried to talk her out of it, but the old woman was determined and the barber eventually relented. So... The woman was chained up, and sat patiently for the barber. With his razor, he began to skin her backside. With each tug and pull of the skin, the woman remained quiet, repeating, You must suffer for beauty. You must suffer for beauty. She kept up her mantra as the blood pooled around her, and the light faded from her eyes. This story was by the Let's Talk Story, Tumblr.com, titled The Flayed Old Woman. Goodness, gory and gross. Perfect for Halloween, right? Now to our next one. So this one is actually from The Brothers Grimm. What makes this one really interesting, it's a two-part story, very short, and it's taken from two separate sources that talk about the same story and translated from German. The title is How Some Children Played at Slaughtering. And I'm going to attempt the German title, because why the heck not, right? Alright, all my German listeners, or all those that know German, let me, like this story, unfortunately, butcher your language. Wie Schlachtens miteinander gespielt haben. Gosh, I'm waiting for my German listeners to cringe. But let's get to the story. <laughs> How Some Children Played at Slaughtering Part 1 In a city named Franeker, located in West Friesland, some young boys and girls between the age of 5 and 6 happened to be playing with one another. They chose one boy to play a butcher, another boy to play the cook, and a third boy was to play the pig. Then they chose one girl to be a cook, and another girl her assistant. The assistant was to catch the blood of the pig in a little bowl so they could make sausages. As agreed, the butcher now fell upon the little boy playing the pig, threw him to the ground and slit his throat open with a knife. While the assistant cook caught the blood in her little bowl, a councilman was walking nearby and saw this wretched act. He immediately took the butcher with him and led him into the house of the mayor, who instantly summoned the entire council. They deliberated about this incident and did not know what they should do to the boy, for they realized it had all been part of a children's game. One of the councilmen, an old wise man, advised the chief judge to take a beautiful red apple in one hand and a Ranish golden in the other. Then he was to call the boy and stretch out his hands to him. If the boy took the apple, he was able to be set free. If he took the golden, he was to be killed. The judge took the wise man's advice and the boy grabbed the apple with a laugh. Thus, he was set free without any punishment. That's part one of the story. Now, the reason why they chose an apple and basically currency is that if the child picked the gold, it would then be inferred that the child would know what value is and had a grasp of basic concepts of what value is. So human life being one of those, the fact that he took the apple was alluding to his innocence and naivety, which is why they let him go free. Now let's listen to part two. There once was a father who slaughtered a pig, and his children saw that. In the afternoon, when they began playing, one child said to the other, You be the little pig, and I'll be the butcher. And he then took a shiny knife and slit his brother's throat. Their mother was upstairs in a room bathing another child, when she heard the cries of her son. She immediately ran downstairs. Upon seeing what had happened, she took the knife out of her son's throat, and was so enraged that she stabbed the heart of the other boy." who had been playing the butcher. Then she quickly ran back to the room to tend to her child in the bathtub, but while she was gone, the child had drowned in the tub. Now the woman became so frightened and desperate that she did not allow the neighbours to comfort her and finally hung herself. When her husband came back from the fields and saw everything, he became so despondent that he died soon after. Yep. Morbid as all hell. <laughs> Two very similar stories from the same writers, but written in a different way. Absolutely fascinating. I also have around seven stories about Red Riding Hood, all different variations, all from different countries. I think I'll do an episode on that as well at some point. And now onto our last story. This particular story is a childhood story of mine. I watched it on the storyteller. And it went under a different name. It went under Luckchild. In this case, this story by the Brothers Grimm, a darker version, is titled The Devil with the Three Golden Hairs. There was once a poor woman who gave birth to a little son. And as he came into the world with a call on, it was predicted that in his 14th year, he would have the king's daughter for his wife. It happened that soon afterwards, the king came into the village, and no one knew that he was the king. And when he asked the people what news there was, they answered, A A child child has just been born born with with a call on. Whatever anyone so born born undertakes turns turns out well. It is is prophesied, too, that that in his fourteenth year, he will will have have the king's daughter for his wife. wife. The king, who had a bad heart, and was angry about the prophecy, went to the parents, and seeming quite friendly, said, "'You You poor poor people, people. let Let me me have have your your child, child, and I will will take care care of it.' It. At first they refused, but when the stranger offered them a large amount of gold for it, they thought, "'It It is is a luck child, and everything everything must must turn out out well for it." it.' They at last consented, and gave him the child. The king put it in a box and rode away with it, until he came to a deep piece of water, then he threw the box into it and thought, I have have freed freed my my daughter daughter from her her unlooked-for suitor. The box, however, did not sink, but floated like a boat, and not a drop of water made its way into it. And it floated within two miles of the king's chief city, where there was a mill, and it came to a standstill at the mill dam. A miller's boy, who by good luck was standing there, noticed it, and pulled it out with a hook, thinking that he had found a great treasure. But when he opened it, there lay a pretty boy inside, quite fresh and lively. He took him to the miller and his wife, and as they had no children, they were glad and said, God, God has, has given, given him to us. us. They took great care of the foundling, and he grew up in all goodness. It happened that once in a storm, the king went into the mill, and he asked the mill folk if the tall youth was their son. No, answered they, He's a foundling. Fourteen Fourteen years ago, ago, he he floated down down to the mill dam dam in a box, and the the mill boy boy pulled him out of the the water. water. Then the king knew that it was none other than the luck child which had been thrown into the water, and he said, My good people, could not the youth take a letter to the queen? queen. I will give him two gold pieces as a reward, just as the king commands, answered they, and they told the boy to hold himself in readiness. Then the king wrote a letter to the queen, wherein he said, As soon as the boy arrives with this letter, let him be killed and buried, and all must be done before I come home. The boy set out with this letter, but he lost his way, and in the evening came to a large forest. In the darkness he saw a small light. He went towards it and reached a cottage. When he went in, An old woman was sitting by the fire quite alone. She started when she saw the boy, and said, "Whence do you come, and whither are you going?' "'I come from the mill,' he answered, "'and wish to go to the queen, to whom I am taking a letter. But as I have lost my way in the forest, I should like to stay here overnight.' "'You poor boy,' said the woman. "'You have come into a den of thieves, and when they come home, they will kill you.' "'Let them come,' said the boy." I am not afraid, but I am so tired that I cannot go any farther. And he stretched himself upon a bench and fell asleep. Soon afterwards, the robbers came and angrily asked what strange boy was lying there. Ah, said the old woman, it is an innocent child who has lost himself in the forest. And out of pity, I have let him come in. He has to take a letter to the queen. The robbers opened the letter and read it and in it was written that the boy as soon as he arrived should be put to death. Then the hard-hearted robbers felt pity, and their leader tore up the letter and wrote another, saying that as soon as the boy came, he should be married at once to the king's daughter. Then they let him lie quietly on the bench until the next morning, and when he awoke, they gave him the letter and showed him the right way. And the queen, when she had received the letter, and read it, did as was written in it, and had a splendid wedding feast prepared, and the king's daughter was married to the luck child, and as the youth was handsome and agreeable, she lived with him in joy and contentment. After some time, the king returned to his palace and saw that the prophecy was fulfilled, and the luck child married to his daughter. "'How can this come to pass?' said he. "'I gave quite another order in my letter.' So the queen gave him the letter, and said that he might see for himself what was written in it. The king read the letter, and saw quite well that it had been exchanged for the other. He asked the youth what had become of the letter entrusted to him, and why he had brought another instead of it. I know nothing about it, answered he. It must have been changed in the night when I slept in the forest. The king said in a passion, You'll have not everything quite so much your own way. Whosoever marries my daughter must fetch me from hell three golden hairs from the head of the devil. Bring me what I want, and you shall keep my daughter. In this way, the king hoped to be rid of him forever. But the luck child answered, I will fetch the golden hairs. I am not afraid of the devil. Thereupon he took leave of them and began his journey. The road led him to a large town where the watchman by the gates asked him what his trade was, and what he knew. I know everything, answered the luck child. Then you can do us a favour, said the watchman. Will you tell us why our market fountain, which once flowed with wine, has become dry, and no longer gives even water? That you shall know, answered he. Only wait until I come back. Then he went farther and came to another town. And there also the gatekeeper asked him what was his trade, and what he knew. I know everything, answered he. Then you can do us a favor, and tell us why a tree in our town, which once bore golden apples, now does not even put forth leaves. You shall know that, answered he. Only wait until I come back. Then he went on and came to a wide river, over which he must go. The ferryman asked him what his trade was, and what he knew. "'I know everything,' answered he. "'Then you can do me a favour, said the ferryman. "'And tell me why. I must always be rowing backwards and forwards, and am never set free.' "'You shall know that,' answered he. "'Only wait until I come back.' When he had crossed the water, he found the entrance to Hell." It was black and sooty within, and the devil was not at home, but his grandmother was sitting in a large armchair. What do you want? She said to him, but she did not look so very wicked. I should like like to have three golden hairs from the devil's head, answered he, else I cannot keep my wife. That is a good deal to ask for, she said. If the the devil comes comes home and finds you, It will cost you your life. But as I pity you, I will see if I cannot help you. Then she changed him into an ant. Creep into the folds of my dress. You will be safe there. Yes, answered he. So far so good. But there are three things beside that I want to know. Why a fountain which once flowed with wine has become dry and no longer gives even water... Why a tree which once bore golden apples does not even put forth leaves, and why a ferryman must always be going backwards and forwards and is never set free? Those are difficult questions. But only be silent and quiet, and pay attention to what the devil says when I pull out the three golden hairs. As the evening came on, the devil returned home. No sooner had he entered than he noticed that the air was not pure. I, I smell... smell. Man flesh, said he. All is not right here. Then he pried into every corner and searched, but could not find anything. His grandmother scolded him. It has just been swept, she said, and everything put in order. And now you are upsetting it again. You have always got man's flesh in your nose. Sit down and eat your supper. When he had eaten and drunk, he was tired, and laid his head in his grandmother's lap, and before long, he was fast asleep, snoring and breathing heavily. Then the old woman took hold of a golden hair, pulled it out, and laid it down near her. Ow! cried the devil. What what are are you doing? doing? I have had had a bad bad dream, dream, answered the grandmother. So I seized hold of your hair. What did you dream, then? Said the devil. I I dreamt dreamt that a fountain in a marketplace from which wine once flowed was dried up, and not even water would flow out of it. What is the cause of it? Oh, if they did but know it! Answered the devil. There is a toad sitting under a stone in the well. If they killed it, the wine would flow again. He went to sleep again and snored until the window shook. Then she pulled the second hair out. "'Ah, oh, what, what are you, are you doing? doing?' cried the devil angrily. "'Do not take ill,' she said. "'I did it in a dream.' "'What, what have you dreamt, dreamt this time?' asked he. "'I dreamt that in a certain kingdom, there stood an apple tree, which once had borne golden apples, but now would not even bear leaves. What, think you?' What's the reason? Oh, if they did but know, answered the devil. A mouse is snoring at the root. If they killed this, they would have golden apples again. But if it gnaws much longer, the tree will wither altogether. But leave me alone with your dreams. If you disturb my sleep again, you will get a box on the ear. The grandmother spoke gently to him until he fell asleep again and snored. Then she took hold of the third golden hair, and pulled it out. The devil jumped up, roared out, and would have treated her ill if she had not quieted him once more and said, "'Who can help bad dreams?' "'What was the dream, then?' asked he, and was quite curious. "'I dreamt of a ferryman who complained that he must always ferry from one side to the other, and was never released.' What is the cause of it? Ah, the The fool, answered the devil. When anyone comes and wants to go across, he must put the oar in his hand and the other man will have to ferry and he will be free. As the grandmother had plucked out the third golden hair and the three questions were answered, she let the old serpent alone and he slept until daybreak. When the devil had gone out again, The old woman took the ant out of the fold of her dress and gave the luck child his human shape again. There are the three golden hairs for you, said she. What the devil said to your three questions, I supposed you heard? Yes, answered he. I heard and will take care to remember. You have what you want, said she. And now you can go your way. He thanked the old woman for helping him in his need and left hell well content that everything had turned out so fortunately. When he came to the ferryman, he was expected to give the ferryman the answer. Ferry me across first, said the luck child, and then I will tell you how you can be set free. And when he reached the opposite shore, he gave him the devil's advice. Next time anyone comes who wants to be ferried over, just put the oar in his hand. He went on and came to the town wherein stood the unfruitful tree. And there too the watchman wanted an answer. So he told him what he had heard from the devil. Kill the mouse which is gnawing at its roots, and it will again bear golden apples. Then the watchman thanked him, and gave him as a reward two donkeys laden with gold, which followed him. At last he came to the town whose well was dry. He told the watchman what the devil had said. A toad is in the well beneath a stone. You must find it and kill it and the world will again give wine in plenty. The watchman thanked him, and also gave him two donkeys laden with gold. At last the luck child got home to his wife, who was heartily glad to see him again, and to hear how well he had prospered in everything. To the king he took what he had asked for, the devil's three golden hairs, and when the king saw the four donkeys laden with gold, he was quite content, and said, Now all the conditions are fulfilled, and you can keep my daughter. But tell me, dear son-in-law, where did all that gold come from? This is tremendous wealth. I was rowed across a river, answered he, and got it there. It lies on the shore instead of sand. Can I too fetch some of it? Said the king, and he was quite eager about it. As much as you like, answered he. There is a ferryman on the river. Let him ferry you over, and you can fill your sacks on the other side. The greedy king set out in all haste, and when he came to the river, he beckoned to the ferryman to put him across. The ferryman came and bade him get in, and when they got to the other shore, he put the oar in his hands, and sprang out. From this time forth, the king had to ferry, as a punishment for his sins. Perhaps he is ferrying still. If he is, it is because no one has taken the awe from him. Such a classic tale. You can really see the escalation of the king's attempts to kill this poor kid. And then in the end, the luck child starts to wisen up and effectively kills the king. You know, condemning him for eternity of torture and travel. I mean the latter isn't that bad, the travelling back and forth, but if that's all you're doing for the rest of your life, yeah that's torture. A hell in itself. So really, who are the good guys in this story? The luck child who tortures the king forever, or the king who tries to kill the luck child? Both are terrible, (laughs) which is just the way I like my stories. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. There's going to be more unique tales like this, more morbid, far darker as we go along, and stick with me Wednesday for a Halloween October 31st special that I'm working on right now and tomorrow and delivering on Wednesday. <laughs> yep, I'm pulling out all the stops. I think this time it's going to be a research topic, all about Halloween, and if I can, some stories behind it. We'll see what I can find. And by all means, my Wiccan friends and my Pagan listeners Correct me if I get anything wrong. Because, you know, that way everyone learns. So for my listeners in the US, have a great Monday morning. And for my listeners down under, have a creepy-licious evening. And as always, till next Next time. time.